Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And hello and welcome back everybody. Thank you guys for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. Now, this week what we're going to be talking about is ecosystems in games. Now, ecosystems can be a very broad term when it comes to video games and it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people or depending on what kind of style of game you're looking at. When it comes to something like The Sims, that's a whole different type of ecosystem versus something like a RPG style one where it's implied that the world is alive, but nothing's really happening until you get there, right? We're going to be discussing games that have some interesting behaviors where not just the player's actions, but the enemy's actions can make a big change in the world itself. And maybe what the future of games like this can mean, especially now with the introduction of AI generated games, which is becoming huge lately with ChatGPT now taking over the market on everything, even game design making and all that, where you can ask it for a script and it will write out a perfect script for you, which is kind of ridiculous. But <laughs> nobody <laughs> needs to know how to make games anymore, apparently. Uh, which is kind of sad, honestly because I teach that. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> just get a chat GPT to do it, to do my job. Uh, but there's some really cool stuff that is going on. And there's some really great games out there that have really pushed AI to the limit of doing very different things. Like uh, one of them, taking it and running with it with uh, the way that it does animations, uh, makes things more feel feel much more lifelike. Uh, other ones where it's uh, handling entire conversations and memory banks for NPC characters, which is pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, but we're going to be kind of diving into this a little bit more. Now, when we first brought up this topic together, the world of ecosystems and games, what was your first initial thought behind it? Because when we started doing some research, we found it was a little difficult to really dive in or zero in on the like the core of this conversation. So what was your, like, I'm curious about what was your path through this one? This one was actually kind of hard. Uh, I kind of spent a good chunk of the week kind of like, where do I want to take it? You know, like, I feel like with all, like you were saying, with the the use of AI being able to create, like, generative content, it makes sense. That's really, like, honestly, I think the biggest step we're gonna see into this kind of creating a real uh feeling ecosystem because when you look at a lot of games since the creation of them a lot of them are just fixed right there's not you don't get a sense of progression in the sense where you're progressing but the world isn't right unless the story changes mm -hmm. it you never see it. Or there's where, the illusion of progression, right? Yeah. Like, like a cataclysmic you know, event about, changes the map, but that's really it, right? It's not affecting the way the NPCs react or other things from different towns, right? Like, for me, when I think back to a game that kind of had something of, like, where an ecosystem changes with your actions, I mean, this is all in a story beat, so you can't really say that it's evolving with every action you take. But when I played Dragon Warrior 7, you know, the whole basis is basically you're, you live on this one island. 
There's never been another island. You get sucked into these tablets, blah, blah, blah. I'm skipping a lot of it, but <laughs> you you go to these other islands and then you realize like, oh, there's other islands. They're just locked away in this dream world. So basically, after every one of those you do, you unlock the island in your world. And after every one of those, people from the initial island are like, hey, did you hear about this new island? They got this. And it's like, the more you unlock, the more these people are talking about people from far off lands and people from other places. And it was like, to me, at such a young age, I was like, this is so cool. Like, I've never seen that in a game where things evolved with the story like that. Like mm -hmm. most of the time it just feels like people are talking just because you did one thing, but this felt like it was actually evolving with the times. Like it was so fascinating as a kid. I mean, granted nowadays I'm like, well, that's just kind of part of the story, but I still feel like back then that was something. And Looking at it now, I mean, I'm starting to see more and more games that do kind of have a evolving, I'll just say evolving door. You know, it's, you start seeing things actually change with every action we take and more like on an individual basis, which is cool. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated by games trying this. I mean, I, I know it's probably not easy to make this kind of stuff in the game world. Yeah, randomized events in games is very difficult to do. Yeah, because half the time they don't connect to anything you do, right? Like, we mm -hmm. see that with, like, a lot of procedurally generated games. Like, it's just something will come out of left field and you're like, what? Like, Or the terrain is all head, busted where it doesn't make any sense anymore. It's like, why is that there? Yeah, like you can try in your head for 10 minutes to be like, what made it come up with that conclusion? And then you have to connect it in your head and be like, well, I guess this could work. But it's like not realistic. You know, what if we had a game where, you know, your action changed the whole world and the world had to continue to live that way forever, but also at the same time, evolved and grew from that right like imagine if your action destroyed half a planet and through the course of the game even without you interacting with it people are actively working to fix it mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff would be cool it sounds impossible but i mean i'm pretty sure you know within five years to a decade we'll see that kind of stuff happen or even just having a game where if you do absolutely nothing it still feels like the world around you is alive and active. Mm -hmm. So even with your inaction, like, yeah, sure. Like you can, I, I feel like reacting to a player would be a little bit easier to accomplish because we're doing yeah. that now, right? Like if you break a wall, then that wall is broken. And maybe now that opens up pathing for NPCs to walk around there. So you see people now using that new wall or hole in the wall, right? But Inaction would be really interesting to see where, yeah, no, they're still just going about their day. They're they're just going to their jobs, they're doing their thing. Or if it's animals, they're going around, they're foraging, they're living lives, they're creating nests, whatever it may be, right? Like, I, I find that incredibly fascinating because that's a lot of computing power to dedicate to something that a player might not even see. And 
to me that that's so interesting and intriguing and just seems like such a wild endeavor to go down and try and figure out and there i don't know it, it seems like a lot to do but whenever you want when you talk about an immersive game that really feels like it's reacting to you i i think the first one that i really enjoyed and it's kind of a dumb game now but uh, fable fable was a really fun one mm. where it felt like I was actually doing something with the world. It felt like the world was alive, even though it really wasn't doing much, right? Like, no matter what, the ending of the game is the same thing, right? It's it just whether you choose to be the hero or the villain, right? You kill or don't kill kind of thing. It's it's It all leads up to that final thing anyway. And it's not like the NPCs are going about their day-to-day lives without you there. Now, like, there's other games out there that really do feel that way. And one of them, and I think this is the game that really sparked this initial conversation here. And it's one game that I feel like was on both of our radars, but we, we neither one of us had played it yet. And that was rain world. So rain world is a very fascinating game and it's incredibly frustrating at the same exact time. <laughs> <laughs> like it can be really difficult uh, as far as the gameplay goes, because I think the reason for the difficulty, and it's something to think about whenever you're playing it. If anybody out there wants to play Rain World, I highly suggest it. But go at it with a different mindset than you do for every other game that you play. For most games that you play, you're looking for patterns in the way that the enemy reacts so that then you can, you know, make dodge their moves. You can work around these things. You can attack them when you need to, right? Like you're you're looking for tells, to before what they strike or perform an action. In Rain World, it doesn't feel like there are any tells because there really aren't. All that stuff is randomly generated in behind the scenes. All of the creatures are giving uh, basic behavior patterns. And I use the word basic very loosely because it's actually incredibly complex, all of these different types of creatures that are available out there. Where, you know, you can have something that's a little bit more aggressive. Each one has a different way of moving, a different way of thinking. And then within those different types of animals, each there's like different subsets with each one of those. And they all react differently. But they're also just kind of moving around the world as they would based on their basic behavior patterns. And to top that all off, the animations are actually AI generated as well. So it makes it. It's kind of a weird, jarring experience at first looking at it, but then you start looking at that and then looking at nature and seeing how things move, and it really does feel natural. Like, it feels almost too real, which is kind of a jarring experience whenever it's pixel graphics. (laughs) So when you have pixel graphics, but you have realistic movement, it's kind of a trippy thing because in a 2D environment, things are just kind of like overlapping one another where it just kind of looks like the legs are spinning. But in a 3D environment, that it would look completely different. But it is still a natural style movement. You're just slicing it down to the 2D level. So it is a very fascinating game where, and I really do feel like this is the first game where I feel like if I choose to just turn it on and not move at all, I can just imagine that everything off screen is still alive, moving, kicking, right? The world's still moving on, the rain's coming, like, all of these events are still happening regardless of what actions I perform during that run or that life or whatever I'm doing at that moment. So it is pretty fascinating to to play this game and experience it because, like I said, you're not looking for patterns anymore. You're looking for behaviors. 
as if you would in real life. Because people don't follow patterns, or if you're a hunter, you know, these things don't typically follow patterns, they have behavior that you then need to analyze and figure out. So it it really makes you want to like study the world a little bit more, explore a little bit more, test things out, kind of just play around with the mechanics until something clicks and makes sense. But it is a very fascinating game to to just kind of explore into you. And it's one that I definitely want to play some more, despite how frustrating it can be at some, at times. <laughs> there's one time, I, one, I think the last time I picked it up, I was walking around and then there's like these black squiggly lines on the screen. I was like, oh, that's weird. So I just kind of kept moving forward. And as I passed by, one of them opened up and I was like, what the fuck? And it ate me and I died. I went, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, I did not see that coming. But it, that was the natural instinct of it. It's kind of like a Venus flytrap, right? It's just it, it's almost like vegetation that's just waiting for that perfect moment. Or it's like a um, alligator snapping turtle, where alligator snapping turtles actually <clears throat> bury themselves under the ground and they leave their mouths open, but their tongues are really like skinny things that float in the water, and they kind of look like worms. So whenever a fish just comes up and bites the tongue, well, guess what? Turtle snaps down, right? So it it felt like that almost, where it felt like a real living creature, and I felt like just a stupid fish that came by and bit the worm. <laughs> I'm like, well, that sucks. I'm an idiot. <laughs> let me do that. Let me not do that again, actually. So, it, but it's it's kind of it's it's fascinating. I will say that it's a very interesting experience playing Rain World. It's weird how things live without you doing anything in that game. Like things are scavenging for food, scavenging for shelter from the rain, like all this kind of stuff. And it's like fascinating how it works. You know, it's there's not many games out there, I feel, where you can sit and things progress without you doing anything, right? Like, to an extent, games will do that, where you can sit and things will move, especially if it has like a a pre-built clock in it, right? Like think about like Stardew Valley or something where it's like, oh, this is what the NPCs do on their route at this time, this day, mm-hmm. every week. But a game but that kind of... Right. Yeah, they have a set path, whereas Rain World, it's like it adapts. And it it learns, it grows. And even like on a a smaller level with how, you know, certain creatures have a reputation system that, you know, if you attack them enough, they get fearful of you. Or if you feed them and look after them or help um, defend them against other enemies, they, they join you, basically. They look after you, which is fascinating yeah you can domesticate a huge predator by feeding it little guys which is pretty fascinating and i mean granted the combat in this game is like in my opinion like i don't say impossible but it's like you're not meant to fight yeah you're not meant to fight in this game yeah it's basically you're meant to like stun them and get away and it's fascinating how it feels like every enemy in this game has its own like i guess you call it a bio right like it has its own thing that sets it apart 
And I don't know, it's just fascinating to me. And it, it's fascinating knowing how long this game has been around, too. Um, I think they said it started in 2012, 2013. Um, yeah, it and, was. It started as like a weird little pet project for the creator, right? Mm-hmm. Where he was just trying to design something, and this is kind of what came out of it. And he made his little slug cat. And I remember getting this game. Oh God, I feel like it was 2015 or something. Like I got it in a bundle back when they were still a big thing, right? The humble bundle, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And I remember playing it and I was like, this game is really weird. And at that point, like, I didn't think anything of, you know, the AI. I didn't, you know, I was just like, this is a weird game. And then I looked up reviews for it and people were like, like, critics were like, this game is really hard to be hard. You know, you know how critics are. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they just like to shit on a game for no reason. And, or it's too hard for them. So I kind of was like, eh, I got other games. I'll play this game some other time. You know, flash forward to when I think it's the the full release, right, 2017. I see it and I'm like, oh, I forgot about that game. And then I forgot about it again. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, like, if I feel like it was during the pandemic. People started talking about it more. And whenever, because I, I, I enjoy survival games a lot. Uh, 3D, 2D, whatever you got. And people would always bring up Rain World. And I'm like, what the heck? Like, that game? Like, I remember playing that back in the day. And while it seemed cool, I didn't equate it to a survival game. Because, you know, when you think survival, you think mostly, like, uh, 3D, right? Or, like, action survival games. Yeah. So... For me, I just didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, that's cool. They're still working on that game. And then you start seeing like more and more YouTubers talk about it. And then even recently, I'm seeing people like within the past year, it got like weirdly popular again, which I'm guessing is probably through TikTok because I'm looking like at recent videos. and I'm like, there's not really any major YouTubers in the past year talking about this. Like, why did it blow up out of nowhere? And mostly it was just people like one exploring for a new survival game that is different. And two, the systems in this game are so innovative that it's a shame that it was kind of kept in the dark for so long, I guess you could say. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like it wasn't in the dark, but it was never like in the spotlight for being for standing out. And I feel like maybe it was because it was gated behind such a steep learning curve that I think scares a lot of people. But I even think if that you, people didn't know how it was made, that I find too, that to be the most fascinating part about it. It it's definitely, and I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that when I first played it, I was like, Oh, this is a little too much for me. Like, I love these kind of games, but it was like I wasn't used to a game that literally kicked you to the curb and expected you to survive in like extremely harsh conditions where to an extent you don't feel like you ever get in a comfortable position. You're always fearing for your little character's life, which Mm -hmm. is cool because I never feel that way in a game. 
right? Like most time in the game, even the survival ones, you get to a point where you're like, oh, I made a little house. Oh, I have a little stone axe. I can survive just fine. I can... Or you reach that god tier level at late game where just yeah. nothing nothing can touch you anymore. Yeah. I'm going to create a little little tree house in Minecraft and nothing will ever touch me. Creepers will never blow up my house. Like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But in this game, it's like you don't really have that option because the world is living regardless if you move around or live in it at all. And it it's scary to think a game can live while you're playing it, right? Because, I mean, we always thought about this as kids in games. Like, what if the game lives when we turn it off, right? Oh, like, yeah, yep. What happens when I turn this game off? Are, are they the like NPCs run- doing? Are they still patrolling or are they taking a break? <laughs> yeah, like I was, I was always wondering that as a kid, and I'm like, in this game, when it's turned on, it's like, whoa, like these people are living their life. Like, why can't more games adapt this kind of a system? I mean, imagine you playing an RPG and people are living their lives individually and uniquely from each other, where. It really does feel like a whole world. I mean, to an extent, you can almost make a never-ending game with that kind of system, which, I mean, I could see this kind of stuff for like an MMO be perfect, right? And I feel like people are looking into that, you know, with AI where it creates like conversations and adapts it and stuff, which is cool, you know, like if it helps in that regard, like why not try it out? But I feel like Rainworld just is something so different that I've never seen in another game. And I feel like for me, like I play a lot of immersive Sims to an extent, and that's always something that you feel like the world's living around you, right? But at the end of the day, it's still mostly a game where it, it does live around you, but it's mostly based off of your actions. They're not just evolving without you interacting with it. Like mm-hmm. a lot of immersive sims out there evolve with your actions. And right. I feel like with Rain World, that's really different. Um, kind of the segue a little bit, uh, we can come back to it. But like recently, I've been playing uh, this game called Shadows of Doubt. And it's a detective game where uh, you it's like procedurally generated like city block, right? Or like a street and you get these detective cases. Well, people live in this game and it's early access. So, I mean, you don't expect a complete game right now, but what's there kind of took me by surprise in the sense that you know, like the tutorial case you get, you go into this apartment complex, you get a lead that there's a dead body in there. You have to break into it. You know, a typical immersive sim, you can take the air air duct, you can break in, you can do all this stuff. But the thing that I find interesting is that in these high-rise apartments, right, there's people living in a lot of these rooms, and they're living their life. You could stand still and you see them walking from their apartment to the store, down the city block. Like, they're somewhat living their lives. I 
I haven't like just set aside time to watch them what they do like for an hour to see if they do anything unique. Mm -hmm. But what's there is at least interesting is that it puts on the act at least that they're living like they're real. And something that's interesting too, is if you break into their house, you know, you can find their wallet and they have a name, you know, they have features where it feels like, oh, wow, these people are real. You know, they have items in their rooms to set them apart. And it's fascinating because, I mean, we don't really see this kind of immersion in a lot of games. And something that I always, that kind of plays in my mind for a while since I first heard it, but uh, Warren Spector, uh, the guy behind, you know, Deus Ex, uh, Thief, he did a bunch of the Ultima games, and he was, his dream was to create a one living city block RPG, right? Where you have one city block and everyone's alive. Everyone is doing their own thing, you know, and it evolves with player choice and just lives regardless what the player does. And I mean, you could argue Rain World does that to an extent, even if it's not like a city block, but with Shadows of Doubt, I feel feel like it's kind of doing the same thing. I don't think the AI is as adaptive as Rain World to an extent, but in the little, you know, city block or two that you're in in this game, it feels close enough to where, whoa, these people are living, they do their own thing. Like, they recognize me from breaking into their house when they see me walking on the street. You know, it's fascinating to see that kind of interaction, that detail that I'm excited to see where games go from here. Because if this is like the start of how NPCs will react to players just in general, I'm all for it. You know, gone are the days where you click on an NPC and after the second click, they're saying the same things over again. If I'm able to have like a decent conversation, hell yeah, why not? And I know some people are scared of the whole AI taking over that stuff. I mean, we a lot of people have seen that Skyrim video that someone did where the AI is speaking for him, which, you know, is interesting. But at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, God, like is AI going to take someone's job, right? Like people that work on NPCs. But I think that if we use it to an extent to help supplement these kind of things to where it can create a, a natural response in NPCs where it's always living with the character, I think it could be something really interesting. And I don't know. I hope to see that kind of future where games just feel real you know like not every game has to have that you know i want my games to be games too sometimes but in games where the world is important the ecosystem is important i think this would be the next big evolution mm -hmm. in like those type of games specifically I can definitely see that I could see AI being a very powerful tool that can be used where, yeah, we don't have to write every single bit of dialogue for an NPC. And it would be actually very interesting 
if we didn't, right? And we had some NPCs out there that were reactionary to what mm-hmm. the player is doing. Whereas then you have your story beat NPCs, like the main characters that give you quests and things like that, that are just kind of there. Maybe they have some light interactions to it, but it's more programmed into it, into the game itself as it is right now. Because there are definitely a lot of games out there that do feel like your actions have consequences and they matter, right? Like look at Mass Effect, right? Where the dialogue tree is massive. So we can code in those things, but maybe only doing that for main story beat characters and then for NPCs that are just kind of there to fill the scene, having them with AI generated text would be kind of fascinating to see. It would be definitely very interesting and it would make the world feel a lot more alive. Now, what I would say the the main like maybe the main connection between like Rain World and uh, Shadows of Doubt is the fact that they're seemingly small, bite-sized worlds. Mm-hmm. Like Rain World is a long ass game. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, right? It, it, I forgot how long to beat it was, but it's actually a lot longer than you would expect. Uh, but they have like, the one thing with Rain World is it's small it's like little scenes here and there it's kind of like right you're going from one piece of the map to the next it's very like tile based right you see the whole Mm -hmm. area around you so it's you're able to kind of keep things bite-sized where the ai can react to what's there now they the some creatures can go from one part of the map to the next and follow you but it's still very much when they first spawn in this is where they spawn in and then they react after that Right. So it is still kind of a small bite sized ecosystem there, but it would be very fascinating to see something like in a much larger game, how it would react in the long run. Like you mentioned with an MMO being a very fascinating way of making an endless game that while that might be really interesting, it might fall into the same trap that other AI bots are falling into now where it just becomes incredibly racist or Right, like there's gonna be problems, something's gonna happen, it's gonna say the wrong thing, it's gonna offend somebody, right? Like those kind of things you cannot plan for. So it's, I'm very curious to see what happens. I, I think we've mentioned this before, I think it was on Murder of Grey when we talked about AI stuff, where AI isn't gonna be taking anyone's jobs anytime soon, right? I, I, I really doubt that it ever will, to be honest, but AI is a very powerful tool to use to supplement the people who are creating these things. Because it can be a really great way of creating an idea, fleshing out a world, or for solo developers, what a great way of creating a dialogue system where it actually feels like you're talking with something and making it more immersive, or making the, the interactions for the players that much more immersive. But I think supplemental, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, it's a supplemental tool to create a much immersive ecosystem for a game and to make it feel much more alive. Now, there is a game out there. It's a project that was actually done by Stanford, which I find incredibly fascinating. But it's a fully automated video game where the player has really no input in it whatsoever. You they turn this game on and they just watched it go and it once again is in a small bite-sized world. It's basically like a city block, like you mentioned. And it's called Generative Agents. So there's, I believe, 25 agents in this game. Yeah, there's 25 different characters that are there, but they are all AI characters. And they are reacting to the world around them. They all have different jobs where they do these things. They all have different behaviors that have been baked in beforehand. And then 
they the the people who made this they wrote a pretty extensive abstract or paper about this which is actually pretty fascinating to look at where they just watched the ai and watched what they were doing it's almost like going to the zoo and analyzing what the animals are doing and learning the behavior from there so we're learning the behavior of ai through this game which is really cool uh, but one of the things that they noticed is not only did you know the game the characters themselves wake up each morning some of them would cook breakfast or just head straight to work or you know without eating breakfast or they did eat you know like the little details like that which were pretty cool because like it's real life right like how many times do you wake up late and then you just have to go to work right instead of just making everything do the same exact thing everyone had different little tiny behaviors when they first woke up but then they noticed that you know if they were an author for instance and that was the job that they were given they were they would go and spend time to write or they would go and walk around in like the grass area to and then come back and write right like it was it it was cool to see real life events happening here but i think one of the most fascinating aspects of this uh from a very early standpoint in their in their studies was that conversations and choices were created based on their memories so these ai characters had memory banks that were getting stored up of every single conversation that they had with all other AI within the game. And then they started creating opinions about one another where they might have liked somebody or they don't dislike somebody because they might have thought they were a slacker and somebody's a very, you know, go-getter kind of style or behavior that's attached to them. And they would actually reflect on these memories and these interactions that they had in that current day and the days prior and then make choices of what they would do the next day. Like, oh, I forgot I was supposed to go and talk to so-and-so. So they would actually go remember that, and then remember the next day, they would make it a point at some point in the day to go and talk to that other NPC. So it is incredibly fascinating to see what can happen from this. Now, is this a game? I, I, I'm hesitant to really call it a full-fledged game, despite the fact that it looks like RimWorld, right? Like it's very 2D graphics, pixelated, you know, that kind of style. Or it's kind of almost like Pokemon graphics in a way, but it's very top-down city builder kind of game. But it is it is pretty fascinating to see, regardless of the facts, but it almost feels like Truman Show in a little bit, more than a video game. It's just, it's giving AI a... It's personifying AI, right? All this stuff can be done in the background much quicker where we can get a whole year's worth of interactions with one, you know, click of the mouse if we really wanted to, where it just randomly generates every single response really quickly. We can have that. But this gives it to us in real time, which makes it that much more fascinating. But as a player, you're not interacting with this stuff. You're just observing. There are points in this uh, in this experiment where they did interact with the game itself, where uh, one agent wanted to throw a Valentine's Day party. Now, I think that that was actually like given to as a like kind of inception style, right? The designers put that idea into the head of one of the agents. So that was all they did. They just said, basically, you want to throw a Valentine's Day party. And then that agent then spread invitations to the party over the next couple of days it started to make new acquaintances and then they 
like the people who were invited because it was a Valentine's Day party started to ask other NPCs out on dates to go to that party together based on the relationships that they had with them in the past. Now, that's incredibly fascinating. It's really cool to see. It's it's an amazing experiment. But once again, I hesitate to say, is this really a game, right? But then again, you have graphic novels, simulation games, all that kind of stuff. But it just shows how much you can make a world or make the world alive without the players' interactions. And the fact that you can in, like inject certain things into the game itself to then make the NPCs react differently. So let's say you have, instead of a Valentine's Day party, maybe you're doing a big adventure game, right? Or maybe it's Zelda, right? We're making Zelda, but with chat GPT backgrounds, right? <laughs> so who knows? Maybe everything's going fine. The world's going on the way it should. And then all of a sudden Ganon shows up, right? And now you just quickly... The whole world's a pot. Yeah, the whole world's a pot. And Link has a fire in his belly to go and start kicking. No, <laughs> <laughs> no like, let's say Ganon or Calamity or whatever you want to call it nowadays. Like, for us old school guys, it's just Ganon. Now it's Calamity. Whatever, right? But some <laughs> crazy event happens, and now you just inject that fear. Now you just, you give every NPC the idea of being fearful for the future because of X, right? Because of Calamity, because again, and whatever it is. And you just give them a name. So now they're able to then use that name freely in the conversations that they're having. And maybe someone that perhaps didn't enjoy their job as much, because I'm sure you can in interject that into a video game. Maybe they quit their job right? Maybe they try and take a new lease on life. Maybe people start moving out of that town. Maybe people start shelling or like hoarding or start trying to think of how to defend the town, or right? Like there's a million different things that can happen, but I would be fascinated to see like you could probably make a game actually like truly randomly react to the events that are going on. So as a game designer, you just create the events that you're having where the player can interact with those elements, but then the world is changing around them. Now, it could happen where like maybe certain cities and things like that get locked off to the player, or maybe an entire city becomes a ghost town. Now, that could be a problem because maybe if you had like a side quest or something or a main quest within that town... Now it's gone, right? That, that could definitely be an issue. But it would be kind of like really fun to explore that world a little bit more where in my playthrough, I have a ghost town because everyone was too afraid and they left. Or maybe a monster got a little too close and everyone fled or the monster attacked and killed everyone, right? Like that would be really crazy. But then if you look at your playthrough, Maybe that town is flourishing because mm -hmm. they've been free from all the effects of the craziness of the world. So it, it is a really interesting concept to see where AI can go. But I think that in order to create these really, truly immersive, growing, ever-expanding worlds, AI is the tool that is necessary to complete that. And we see that with Rain World. We see that with Jedho Doubt. Like the AI in Shadow Doubt is really complex where they're paying attention to whatever it is you're doing and they're remembering that and storing that in their their memory bank or their brain. 
and recalling that information later when it comes time for you to interact with them, whether it's through interactions or just walking down the street, right? So it is, I, I really do think that like, while AI is both, it is very terrifying at times because it can be used very negatively, which we've talked a lot about on uh, Murder of Grey itself. If you guys want to hear us chat about that some more, I think there's like four episodes on AI over there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not going to take anyone's jobs. It's just going to be a very powerful tool to supplement what we're already trying to do in games. The goal is to make games more immersive, to draw the player in and to give them a unique experience. Well, what's more unique than AI generated responses where everything's going to be completely different? Uh, I don't know. And I would definitely say that would be a incredibly expansive ecosystem to try and navigate through. Not saying that like it has to be with the food and the animals and stuff like that, but as far as like a a town's ecosystem or a community ecosystem, you can definitely do something interesting with that. It would make me wonder if it'd have to be like procedurally generated town or if it'd be like a static town, you know, because it's like if it's static, I mean, that could be really interesting, right? Like throughout the game, the town would just grow. Or falter. Yeah. Like it would be really it'd be really trippy to see. Like, what if um you happen to just get done with a mission where you're being chased down by something, right? And then you get uh-huh. a little too close to a town, well now that town is caught in the crossfire. Right? Like mm-hmm. when was the last time we saw that in a game that wasn't scripted? Never. But that would yeah. be really cool to see if you could accidentally get people caught in the crossfire because that just makes it more real right and that would be incredibly that would be insane to see i i would love to play that game and just take notes and see how other people's versions of the game are playing through it'd be cool because it'd be always something different right like when people watch people on youtube play a game i mean when it's something random like say minecraft where you create your own world like people want to see that like difference you know it's different than watching someone play say like final fantasy 7 where the story's scripted it's always going to stay the same you know it's it'd be fascinating to see like a different world for every different person which would have different outcomes which you know i feel like we're getting there with games like that but with the evolution of interactions i think I think it's the next big step, which, you know, the gaming industry, I think, needs. When you look at how much games have evolved over time, we haven't seen much evolution in a lot of mechanics, right? Like, we've seen genres taken from the 90s and remade in modern times and made it easier to understand made it more addicting right you know you look at uh dungeon crawlers you look at roguelites you look at mystery dungeons like all old gameplay mechanics but brought into new light it's rare that we find something totally new that stands out and i feel like there have been games that have tried to do that but when a lot of games nowadays have millions of dollars behind them, right? Like you look at the AAA companies, especially like it's hard to take risks 
And a lot of things in life come from risks. But the problem is when you have a, a company that is putting a game out there and you know, you want to try something totally new. It's never been done before, but it ends up failing. Like the possibility of you tanking your whole studio goes up. The embarrassment you'd get would be high. And it's just, it's, it's hard to see a lot of evolution in the game, gaming world in general. And it's sad, but it's understandable. You know, you you can look back and be like, wow, look how Doom revolutionized the playing sphere. And then you look at GoldenEye, it's like, wow, this revolutionized console shooters, Mm -hmm. you know. And then you go, like, someone brought that up to my attention the other day where it's like, you know, you look at Doom and you're like, whoa, this is so innovative. And then a few years later, you see GoldenEye on consoles and you're like, whoa, this is so revolutionary to, like, multiplayer shooters. You know, granted, this stuff was on PC before, but for consoles, it was mind blowing. And then you don't see the next really big evolution until Halo. And then Halo gets expanded upon with, you know, modern warfare. And it was cool always seeing that evolution in games. And you could say we are still seeing slight growths in a lot of genres, right? We're starting to see turn based RPGs like Final Fantasy become action rpgs almost yeah. at this point but it's with not 16. it's not at the impactful way that those other yeah. games hit it's we need to see something new something that can be used in every kind of game and i feel like creating living ecosystems that not only adapt to you but just adapt to the world in general if the game, you know, if that's the focus of a game, right? Some games, they don't need to do that. But games that want to be living, breathing, I think this is the next step. The the living NPCs, the the living world that is there, right? Like, we live in a world, obviously. You know, we have decisions to kind of do what we want, good or bad. And same people around us. You know, our neighbor could have good intentions. They can have bad intentions. The world's always moving. Why can't why can't games be like that? And now that we're starting to get that tech, that the information to make these kind of games, it's fascinating to see where we go from here. You know, I think in the next, I know in the next ten years, we'll we'll see something different, something that changes like in-game style i'm not talking about the outside game industry there's a lot going on with that but mechanics gameplay i think i think we're gonna start seeing some innovative stuff especially yeah the virtual if you're like me (laughs) oh god you look at a lot of indie games that are upcoming i think we're gonna start seeing some very innovative stuff and i'm i'm excited for it i'm ready for it i'm I'm ready for the next 10 years in games to see how it changes. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoyed this little conversation as we dove into the ecosystems in games. 
So what games, I mean, besides The Sims, <laughs> what other games out there do you guys feel have a very immersive ecosystem? One that actually reacts to the player and feels like it's alive. Are there any other good examples out there that we might have missed? I mean, obviously there's ecosystem game, but you know, that's a little different in our opinion. But yeah. anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games, more ideas and all that good stuff. Uh, but until then, bye for now.